Well, I am very much the opening act here this evening in the warm-up band for the panel that's about to ensue. And I thought what we would do this evening is talk a little bit about how we should frame the question of what is mission? What exactly is mission that we are discussing here, not only this week, but next week under the leadership of Pastor Van Tynan? And the way that I want to do that is I want to read three verses with you, three passages from Scripture, and offer just a concluding thought, and then we'll get the real experts up here. So the title I've given this is The Spirit of God and the Breath of Mission. Now, what in the world do I mean by that? The Spirit of God and the breath of mission. That is, the good breath of mission. I want you to, if you have your Bibles with you in the pew, turn to page 2, and I'm going to read Genesis 2, verses 7 through 8. This is page 2 of your pew Bible, if you have it. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. This is the creation of humanity. This is the creation of his field. And he, the Lord does so through his breath. And what's interesting about this word breath is it can also mean something like spirit. We read this, of course, in the very first chapter of Genesis, where we're told that the whole world was created by the spirit of God, the spirit hovering over the depths, and then the the world was spoken into existence. This word spirit and this word breath is the same word in the Hebrew. Now, why does that matter? Let's read our second passage. This is on page 725, Ezekiel 37, verse 13 through 14. Ezekiel 37, verse 13 through 14, page 725. Now, the context of this, of course, in the grand scheme of redemptive history is that, well, things in the garden didn't turn out so well because of the fall. And so the fall of creation required and necessitated the promise of a new creation. And so here the prophet Ezekiel is prophesying about that coming new creation. And here's what Ezekiel says. He says, You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Notice again here the appearance of spirit or the the appearance of breath and also the promise of being put back into the land. This is the promise of a new creation. What's interesting about this concept of of breath or of spirit is that there's a a great philosopher I admire named David Abram, and he makes this intriguing connection between the divine name, which we know as Yahweh, and breath itself. I'm going to embarrass myself by trying to perform this. But the name Yahweh is actually, the way that he reads it, the function of breathing itself. When you breathe in, you exhale. Breath itself is the divine name. And when you think about that, what a better name for the divine than breath? Because without it, there is no life. 
Without it, there is no experience on this earth, and without it, there is no future. Hence, the plausibility, and I think the likelihood, that the way that the Hebrews talked about the divine name was in fact signaling this fact of breath itself. Now, what's interesting, and this is the final passage that we'll talk about, is John chapter 20, verse 20 through 23. This is on page 907. And what's interesting about this is the early Christians were very much alive and well within reading their Bibles and the promises of God and this coming new creation, the promise of God revealing himself through his spirit and through his breath, returning them to a land where they can celebrate and, and uh, the promises of, of God. And here's the passage as it reads in John 20, verse 20 through 23, page 907. When Christ had said, peace be with you, he showed his disciples his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Notice Jesus breathes on his disciples. This is shocking for a first century audience. Jesus did what God did at the very beginning. He breathed and created a new humanity. And what a radical confession for the early Christians to in fact be new humans. And how powerful and how uh, extreme really is their, their commission. They are in fact to breathe this spirit upon the world. They are to, uh, as it says, receive the spirit, forgive the sins of others, and they'll be forgiven or withhold forgiveness, and that will be withheld. Now, what does this have to do with missions? I want to suggest that missions is partnering with God through Christ and by his spirit to create a new world, a world that meets the material, the spiritual, and the emotional needs of the people. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today, is how this impressive cast of characters is partnering with God to create a new world, one that is animated by justice, one that is animated by goodness and kindness, one that is animated by the celebration of the peace we have from God and the peace we extend to one another. This is the very breath of mission. This is the very animated atmosphere through which we engage with one another and by which we are charged and motivated to do these things, whether it's an investment banker or whether you're digging wells in Uganda or whether you're a lowly academic, this is your charge to be the breath of God and to carry peace to the ends of the earth. So this is how I'd like to frame the discussion of mission. Mission is a participation with God through Christ by his spirit to create a new world. So with that, I'd like to invite the panelists to come on up and Pastor Van Tine, and I'll let you take it from here. But before I do, should I, should I pray for us? So Lord, we are humbled by this commission and by this wonder that you've worked within us. And Lord, I pray that you would grant us uh, humility to, to hear what is to be said tonight from these panelists and also the grace to leave from this place and act courageously like their example. 
We thank you, Lord, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Michael. And uh, yeah, we'll invite our panelists up here. And yeah, I'm so thankful for all of them agreeing to join us today. Um, I think we'll all be encouraged uh, by what we hear. So um, we'll get started. I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself briefly and tell us about the role you're in. And then I'll ask you a question. Uh, that way, you don't have to remember the question I asked. Uh, Simone, we'll actually start with you. Yeah the role you're currently in and how the Lord led you there. Okay. Um, hello. I'm Simone Halpin. I'm the executive director of Naomi's House. I think that's the role you're referring to because <laughs> I have several roles in my life. Um, I co-founded, along with Mary Lohman um, here at the Moody Church, uh, Naomi's House in 2016. Lindsay happened to also be a part of our first advisory board, so it's a deeply rooted ministry here uh, at Moody, um, and we launched in 2016. Thanks. And you're in fighting human trafficking. There's a lot of Christian involvement in there, uh, but there's also a lot of secular involvement in terms of police, social services. Uh, can you just talk about the interaction between the Christians and the non-Christians you see and, and how you see Christians being a light? Sure. Sorry. Thought we were going down the line. I was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just get right into it. Um, yeah, I love that question. I've been thinking about it a little bit. And um, the one of the neatest things about my role at Naomi's house is that there is an invitation um, often to invite other Christians to be a part of our ministry because we're privately funded. We have dozens of volunteer opportunities. Uh, we lean on the church in a heavy way. So more than anything, I have seen the church um, really step up and assume some beautiful leadership in, in the lives of the women that we serve. Um, we do rub shoulders a lot with people who aren't followers of Jesus. They wouldn't claim to have a faith. And I think our ministry is organically um, sharing the gospel in all of those situations. Um, but mostly where I see, and I think the heart of your question is getting at where I see the gospel um, and having a a testimony of what Jesus can do in someone's life is in the lives of the women that we serve. Because women come to us and enter into our program from having all different backgrounds of faith. Um, they move into Naomi's house knowing that we're a Christian organization, that we're a faith-based organization, so they're open to um, our programs that share this with them. And that's where I see um, Jesus do some of the most incredible work because he's very unique and individualized to each woman we serve. And he can uh, he can reveal himself in those specific and unique ways to each one of the women. And so I think that's where I've been most blown away at seeing how the gospel um, is, Jesus is so faithful to each one of the women that we serve, um, given all of their unique backgrounds and individuality. Great. Yeah, thank you. Lindsay, um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your current role and how the Lord um, led you there. Hi, my name is Lindsay Anderson. I'm currently a partner and co-founder of a government relations firm, um, just about a year old. And um, we represent all different types of clients, ranging from 
um, big companies like Google and Deloitte to um, really social impact organizations like the Chicago Community Trust. And we um, represent their interests at the city of Chicago or at the state of Illinois. They interact a lot with government. And so God has really called me um, going into this role, a lot of different roles um, in government, whether it be at the city or the state level. Yeah. And as you formed this new company, um, how did being a follower of Christ inform uh, the policies, the strategies, all those types of things? Um, and you were doing it with partners, so you had to work with others. Um, can you just talk about that process? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's new being the boss um, and being in charge and, and having my own firm and, and making the decision, setting the culture. And I see that as sort of being two parts. One is really a mentor um, and um, both to the people um, that work for me, but also um, to the people that I advise and um, uh, interns and people that I interview. And um, really being able to be uh, bold, um, more bold as the boss and, and not having to worry about reporting to anyone or any um, policies and really being able to be authentic um, and, and tell everyone that who I am and um, you know, as I talk to people and they wanna know about my experiences, um, being clear and direct that, um, that God has opened doors for me and, and called me um, to be in and around government. Um, and there's also an advising piece too. I advise all of my clients on how to interact with government, how to achieve um, good public policy. And so using um, uh, advice, um, as I advise them, but using um, seeking uh, wisdom from, from the Lord, but also um, you know, a, a problem-solving approach, a collaborative approach, and not always um, seeking, um, you know, being the most aggressive advocate to seek a certain um, outcome, but really seeking one that's a good, good policy and, and collaborative. So um, a couple parts, um, uh, but, but definitely different being the boss. Yeah, you probably have to avoid some of the expediency uh, <laughs> solutions that Michael <laughs> spoke about this morning, so. Um, Ron Ingram, uh, yeah, just tell us about your current role, how the Lord led you. Director of Outreach to International Students and Scholars. And actually, God led me through the back door. People often ask, well, Ron, how did you end up doing this? I never had any idea about missions. Um, I never saw myself as a missionary. I never saw myself in ministry. I joined the International Student Outreach as a volunteer, and it was something very interesting to do. In the process, God changed my heart. He tricked me. He ambushed me. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, gee, I'm focusing on international students, and I'm actually seeing ministry opportunity. It was definitely a backdoor experience, but I am so glad, I'm so glad that God did what he did. And as you, oh, sorry, as you, <laughs> now my mic's not working. Uh, as you interact, uh, a lot of, I know your students come from atheistic backgrounds, or at least unbelieving backgrounds. Um, can you just talk about um, how you've seen their reaction to this Jesus and uh, this victorious person who doesn't look so victorious? And for our minds, we, it's so commonplace, but what's the, the um, when it's new? 
Well, I, I love to share the story about a visiting scholar that came and that was a part of our ministry for about two years. He was a professor of law back in China and uh, he was actually very antagonistic to the gospel. However, he was faithful to come every week. And uh, I remember one time thinking to myself, Lord, I sure hope he does not show up this week. <laughs> and God said to me, what are you talking about? Do you realize that he comes every week and he is the first person there every week? Are you crazy? I said, oh God, I never thought about it that way. I better change my attitude, which I did. And over time, over time, I just began to see some things change. To my surprise, at the end of the two years, when he was getting ready to return home, he asked to do a presentation. He had chosen the name Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. And in his presentation, he says, isn't it interesting that my name actually says something? He says, if you change the letters around in Gordon, it says, Ron showed God to Gordon. I thought, really? <laughs> that is so clever. And what he said was, he said, you know, I came here with a different attitude, but I'm leaving and I've learned a few things. I have learned that there is a God, the Bible is a good book, and Christians are good people. That was radical. That was radical. Some people were disappointed that at that time he didn't just raise his hand and say, I want to be a Christian. But I thought, wow, what a change. It changed my whole idea about discipling as well. To me, we're not starting from zero. We're starting from a negative <laughs> hundred to get people up to zero to say there is God. And the fact that he said there is God, the Bible is a good book, Christians are good people, that was phenomenal. Great. Yeah, thank you. Toby, uh, yeah, can we hear about you, your current role, how the Lord led you there? Sure. Hello? Uh -huh. Toby Eng, and uh, I'm with Northwestern Mutual Chicago on the professional side, a wealth management advisor and uh, managing director, and uh, get to work with clients and form long-term relationships, uh, as well as coach and develop new advisors. Um, personally, married to my amazing wife, Cassie, as you know, and uh, five kids. I just wanted to give a shout out to Ariel. She's probably watching at home, so. Hi, Ariel. So, great. And in this role where you're a mentor and a trainer, um, tell us how you balance, you know, your desire to share the truth of the gospel with people while also your responsibilities to give them financial training. That's Absolutely. And I'd uh, say the same thing as Ron. I never saw this and never thought I was uh, involved with ministry or doing ministry, um, at least in the beginning of my career. And I thought there's professional Christians hmm. and there's super Christians uh, that do it full time. And then there's people like me who go in the business world or academia or um, whatever field and you make money and then you give it to the super professional Christians. Um, but over time, I, I realized that's not true, right? God really calls us, all of us, um, you know, what's printed out there, uh, the most uh, uh, important commandment, love God and love people. And there's no other 
more important love than sharing the good news with them. So of course in the corporate world or in the financial world, it's not like we're giving the gospel presentation every time. <laughs> um, but I find relationships are what matters. Consistency is what matters. Um, there's a couple people in my life that are huge mentors. I have this huge man crush on uh, Tim Keller. <laughs> and I had a um, privilege of sitting with him one day and he actually shared a story. And I think it relates to all of what we do. He says, we're coming to a day where most people won't enter into a church, right? We won't step into a church. It won't be as normal to say, hey, come on and come on a Sunday. Or even God might not be something they believe in or the, the, the idea of sin. And he said, um, really what we have to do there is just be there for them and build relationships. And he gives this analogy of a suit where um, he says for believers, we're in suits almost a little bit too big, like one or two sizes too big. We're always trying to step into the truth of the gospel. And a relationship with Christ is always bigger than us, and we won't really step into it fully until uh, that day comes. And he says, uh, people who don't know Christ uh, are like wearing a suit a size too small. Maybe like this one. Um, <laughs> COVID weight, right? Um, and they're looking for things in their life that give them meaning, right? To, to answer that fulfillment of, of um, what they're seeking. And it might be um, success at work. It might be relationships. It might be um, prestige, whatever it is, money. But inevitably, at one time in their life, those things are going to fail them, right? And it's kind of like they bend over and there's a big split in the pants or the back <laughs> rips open. And he says that that's when you got to be there, mm. right? Because if you hadn't had the relationship all those years beforehand, when that stuff happens, they're not going to trust you to have that conversation. And that's where, you know, I've found the ability to step in and say, well, this is where I find my hope and my peace and my joy. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, great, thank you. And I wanna give Michael a chance to jump in if he has questions for the panelists as well. But um, while um, he thinks, um, <laughs> I wanna ask you all too, um, where or when in your ministry have you seen a victory where you're like, man, the, that was the Lord doing that, whether in your personal life or someone you were interacting with, and you just felt that affirmation and that encouragement from the Lord. And it's open to any of you, so you can. Um... Okay, happy to go first. Uh, actually, this is a neat story that just kind of came to a conclusion last weekend. Um, a woman that we served at Naomi's house lived with us for 15 months, and she um, was referred to our program through someone here at Moody, um, childhood friends. And uh, this woman was um, recruited into the life of trafficking through her family. And so she had a really difficult um, childhood that led into her teenage years. And so by the time she reached her 20s, she was um, essentially just traumatized in so many levels that she couldn't hold a job and she relationally couldn't really connect with other people. Um, her trauma had just completely impacted her to a point that she was paralyzed, um, kind of emotionally and spiritually. And because her trafficking took place in the context of her family, um, this was happening um, 
through the church and other church people were involved in this. I'm not gonna go to say that they were Christians. I'm just saying church people were involved. And um, when she finally found the courage to move into our program and receive the tools and resources to heal from that trauma and address what the abuse that she had endured for, for a long time, um, she sacrificed a lot to move into our program, move states, left her apartment that she was able to pay for through um, disability that she was on. And she kind of just dove into the deep end of our program. And um, over the course of 15 months, we saw an incredible transformation, um, not just um, emotionally and spiritually, although that happened as well, but even physically, her uh, appearance just com completely changed from this countenance of um, feeling at a loss and not able to trust people and not believing in herself. Um, and because she had heard the gospel being in and out of the church most of her life, um, she really struggled in her faith to, to believe whether it was true or not. And in her journey while in our program, she came to a point where she was able to um, re-surrender her life to Jesus and put her trust back into him. And so just a week ago, we celebrated her graduation and she finished the program after 15 months, and she was quick to point out that it was also in the middle of a pandemic. So she did the whole program uh, while living through COVID, um, and she is now living independently again. Um, she has a vibrant walk with Jesus, and at that, at our graduation last week, in a very COVID-friendly fashion, we had dozens of people who showed up that had invested into her life that she had now she had relationships with now and one of the things that was a, a common theme at her graduation that everyone was able to say to her in one form or fashion was that we, we were better having met her and watching her transformation, that it, was, it wasn't just us participating in God's plan so that she received healing, but because of the way God works in community, we, we all experienced a, a new um, just vision of what God can do and how he can use other people's trials and suffering to even bless and bring healing to our own lives. So it was really just this incredible picture of what happens when um, the church comes together and we, we participate in what God does in other people's lives. Yeah, great. Amazing. Mine's a little less tangible, but I'll talk about maybe how God used me. Um, I, um, I, I had always um, felt on my heart to work in government and um, I always maybe thought how cool it would be to work at the top in state government for the governor, but I knew that that could take years to work on, whether it's campaigns or and I wasn't political or working for government officials. For And, and I was a brand new attorney and, and God brought me together with the uh, lieutenant governor. A lot of crazy things came together, including the impeachment of another governor. But um, but anyway, it turned out that I was, the governor was asking me to come and work for him. And um, I was able to share with him as a Christian that I felt strongly about some issues and they may not necessarily align with how he felt. And he brought me along anyway. Um, and I was able to, um, you know, uh, be very clear in, in who I was. And, and as, especially as I communicated as those issues came up, that I would hand those off to my deputy and why. Um, so it was a great opportunity. God just helped me <laughs> um, um, sort of be clear on that. But, um, you know, it was my first night actually in the governor's office after a long day at the state capitol um, and had, had dinner at the governor's mansion. And I sat down in my hotel room and opened up my Bible. And um, it opened up to a, a verse in Matthew, let those humble themselves um, 
who humble themselves be exalted and who exalt themselves be humbled. And that was one of many verses that really guided my approach in that office. So I really put my head down um, and got to work um, in a very quiet way. And the governor called on me often, um, whether it was with a question or for projects. And he called on me more and more and more until all of a sudden, very quickly, as a young attorney, I was reporting um, directly to him and advising on all bills that were becoming law. So if he would sign them or veto him, that was my recommendation to him. And so um, the opportunity to not only help shape um, the laws and the policies of the state, but really the process that went into those, making sure there was a voice, making sure um, he, there was the right input, making sure that there was a line of communication with the church and that they were praying for those decisions and for the information that was informing him. And so I really saw that as a, as a victory in a way that, that God used me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Well, when it comes to victories and God sightings, I have a laundry list. <laughs> and, but I, I'm going to point out two, two that are very, very near to my heart. Uh, four years ago, I was in China, and it just turns out that at the time that I was there, it was at the time that one of our former students was being baptized. So that was a joy for me to be there at the very time that she would be being baptized. And we had a celebration dinner. So at the dinner, her pastor asked, he says, would you please, please, please pray for me? He says that a group of us, about 60 churches have been put on notice by the Chinese government that you can convert and become a government church or we're going to shut you down. And they made the bold move, they, the coalition made the bold move to write a letter to the government saying, do what you want, we will not become a government church. And I thought, that was very risky to do that. He says, I know, but that's how strongly we feel about it. Well, that was four years ago, and I'm just happy to say that as of today, right now, they're still functioning. They have not been shut down. That, to me, is a miracle from God. The fact that they were put on notice the fact that they wrote a rebellious letter to the government saying, we will not cooperate, that's a very dangerous thing to do, and the fact that they're still worshiping today, and they're not a government church. I thought that was just a miracle of God. Another thing that's happening, too, is that at their request, you know, as the government is persecuting and pushing and pressuring Chinese Christians, at their request, they asked us, can you set up something where we can have an American Christian friend to encourage us and to help us along through the journey? And thank God, he miraculously worked out something where we're in the process of putting together a platform where we can pair American Christians with Chinese Christians to encourage them and do life with them and to help them through the journey. We've not finished putting it together and we've not made any kind of formal announcement. However, already in China, we got 40 Christians that have already signed up, and we haven't even announced it. They've already signed up saying, yes, 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 pair me with an American Christian. I need somebody to encourage me and to help me do life. And I think this is a response to the oppression that they're uh, feeling from the government, but they're finding ways around it. They're finding ways around it. And what that says to me is that the church of God in Christ is alive and well. 
The church of God in Christ is undefeatable, and no matter what they do or what they try to do, we will not defeat God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and thank you for the plug on our theme, too. There. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. I'd probably be very encouraged by those Chinese Christians uh, as the American. Um, I'd say there's two things that I'm encouraged by as victories. One, I'll be really frank, is uh, that he could use anybody. And uh, Cassie could attest to this because uh, of who I am and my uh, um, issues and, and uh, not the most well-spoken, uh, not the smartest, but, uh, you know, the story of Moses, David in the Bible, you know, he uses any of us with our faults and our past mistakes. Um, that's a huge victory. And uh, that sustains me quite a bit because I'm a big screw-up. <laughs> said that on the stage of Moody Church. I realized I said man crush earlier, so I don't know if that's ever been said on the stage of Moody Church. Um, what, one thing is, uh, the other thing is um, actually through a relationship and being uh, at my firm, actually been there, this is my 20th year, uh, consistency and uh, continuity, there was um, a friend of mine that never in a million years would have guessed that they'd be open to um, faith. And praying for them for 10 years, um, just this last year, he came to know Christ. And uh, it just shows the power of the Holy Spirit. It shows that uh, he can use broken people, um, people who are messed up, to do as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we see the Lord doesn't back down from a, a big fight or a mm -hmm. difficult circumstance, right? But brings glory to himself by, by overcoming it. Um, we've got just a few minutes left. And I think one of the kind of themes um, of this is, right, like church, our time here uh, is a compliment, right, to the rest of our week. And even global outreach, uh, it's a small subset of Christians who are full-time uh, in this. And, and it's a compliment, again, to what we're all doing as we go out and be the church. And, and some of us are then led into full-time ministry. But can you talk about maybe how the church has encouraged you and a, as you've matured in your faith and, and um, brought you to the point now where you're able to be on a stage, just talking about um, how the Lord is using you and, and comfortable with that. Uh, maybe if it's instances or just, just how it's shaped your walk. I can jump in, give some relief. <laughs> um, there's a, a couple years back, I invited one of my mentors, Dr. Jerry Root, who's an amazing um, uh, professor at Wheaton College, and uh, had him come down to the firm and share with other believers um, how to share faith and and why it's important, and uh, uh, the way that Moody Church specifically has been so encouraging is that uh, we put it on again this year, and we've had so many of our friends from Moody Church um, give feedback, show up, attend, um, and and that's just been part of part of I think walking this lock, walk in the business world is this feeling of loneliness or um, discouragement, and so having so many other brothers and sisters. Um, jump in there with me has been incredibly encouraging. Yeah, thank you. 
I would say, I would add to that, um, when Mary and I first approached the elders, uh, were you an elder at the time when we did this? Okay. So thanks for saying yes. <laughs> um, I think that was what was most surprising to us. Not that they said yes, but um, that through the journey of walking out this vision that God had given us, um, that it's worked. And one of the, th I don't know if it was you specifically who said this, but one of the elders said, well, we're behind you and we want to you know, pray that this happens, but we can't fund you um, because it's a big, it's a big operating budget to do what we do. And um, I actually don't think I comprehended fully what that meant at that time. Um, but looking back, even before we opened, we raised the money to buy the house and then to hire the staff. And so fundraising now for seven or eight years, um, that is where I have seen the church do some incredible things, um, not just Moody Church for blessing us to, to go out and try to do this, but also to this day, when people support Naomi's house, they write their checks to Moody Church because it's a ministry of Moody, and that comes from other churches as well. And so I've always been, I've been really encouraged to see that people can look beyond the walls of whose budget is whose, but look at, at helping restore dignity to the women that we're serving. Um, and the mechanism, the logistics of how that happens isn't the important part. It's, it's the important part is that women are having a place to heal. And so I've been just really encouraged by how the church has financially supported us, the Capital C Church has financially supported us um, for years now to make this happen. It's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, and I'll just say quickly, I know there's often such a separation, I feel like, between church and, and where I worked in government, where there can be such um, sort of darkness, or it's a bad place, right? Or bad people work there. Um, but, um, but, but prayer is needed. And when I was trying to decide what do I do with my career, um, the executive pastor here had called me and said, when are you going back to the governor's office? It's been on my heart to pray for what's happening and, and it'd be great to hear more about decisions that are being made so that we can pray. And so those prayers, I think, um, really um, are important. Um, and just the community of the church is so important. I know as a, a working mom and connecting with other um, moms who are also professionals and, and praying for each other, I'm so grateful for the church and the community um, as we come alongside together in all of our different roles and ministries. Well, I just thank God for a church that supports me and that allows me to support others and support people in a very special way. I was at a conference, and I'm going to say this very quickly because I ran into a very energetic, young Korean international student, very vibrant young man who was in a wheelchair. And uh, I thought, I'm going to get to know this guy. So I go to him and I say, hey, look, I introduce myself and I say, if I'm being too forward, tell me and I'll leave you alone. But I want to know, why are you in that wheelchair? And he says, you know, I'm so happy that you asked. I'm glad to tell you. He said, I was in a car accident and I had a spinal injury. And they tell me that I'm going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. He says, that sounds like a bad thing. He said, what am I going to tell you? He says, before that, he said, I knew God. God was in my life, but he was on the periphery. He said, since this, he said, God has become very upfront, close, and personal. He says, everything that I do right now matters. Everything that I do is significant. I am on board with God 24-7. The fact that you came and asked me to give you my story, that's no accident. God wanted you to hear my story. I thought I was going to start shouting right there. Praise God for that. And that's what I want to do is I work with people to let them know don't keep putting off life. As I work with these students, well, let me finish my degree. Let me get a job. Let me get married. Let me get a house. That's too late. We need to do it now. 
right now. And that's one of the things that I'm just working with students on. And anybody else that will listen, be it in the moment, be it in the moment. We don't know about tonight. We don't know about tomorrow. Don't put life on pause. Engage and be engaged with life. And that's what that young man was saying. He says, because I'm in this wheelchair, I am now engaged every day, every moment with life. And I think that is so important. And I think with all of us, it's a very critical thing to think about, to be, be aware of that we can't wait. Life is happening while we are waiting for life to happen. Let's not miss it. And I have a church that supports me and allows me to take that message and to help other people in that regard. Thank you, Moody Church. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I think that's a great place to end. And um, I'm going to pray and then invite uh, Michael Best up to close the service. So, Lord, uh, we do just lift this up to you and pray that you would, that we would engage, Lord, and that your spirit would move in each of our hearts to engage um, where you have called us, uh, Lord, whether it is um, the job we will go to tomorrow morning, whether it is our spouse or our family as we head home tonight or interact with them through this week. Um, Lord, let us be the church, uh, not only inside the church, but outside the church, Lord, as uh, so much of the world uh, needs to hear from you and need to hear your message. And Lord, you've chosen us as your messengers. Uh, and so we pray, Lord, that you would... Um, just encourage us and move through us and, and shower us with your spirit, Lord, that we might um, go forth with joy and energy um, and share it, uh, share the gospel, um, be winsome in our actions, Lord, build these relationships um, and invest in other people. And uh, Lord, we just pray you will empower us to do all that and that we can bring glory to your name, Lord, what, what a privilege that is. And we just pray this all in Christ's name, amen. Amen. So thank you all uh, for joining us.